This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'd like to start by looking at uh, a few passages Um, So just to warn you, if you wouldn't mind turning them up with me, please. The first one is Ezekiel chapter 5. If we were to look at a map of the world, we'd see that Jerusalem is at the centre of three continents. Um, Supposing my hand was Jerusalem, then there'd be Asia over here, uh, there'd be Africa down here, and there'd be Western Europe, well, Europe, over this way. Um, And here, in Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I have set her in the centre of the nations, the countries all round her. So that's the first thing. Now, if you'd come uh, on to Zechariah chapter 8, please. Here we can see why Jerusalem is important in God's great purpose. Because he stated that one day um, Jerusalem will be the place where he will dwell at the centre of things. So Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 3. Thus says the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Well, let's go to the New Testament now. If you'd come to Matthew chapter 23, please. Before Jerusalem becomes a city of truth, a number of things have got to take place, which we'll look at shortly. For the moment, it's important to note that the future of Jerusalem is very much bound up with the nation of Israel, the Jews. In fact, Jerusalem is sometimes used in the Bible to represent the nation. So, for example, Jesus here in Matthew 23 is really lamenting the people's lack of faith. And he says in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. Well, it wasn't the city that was killing the prophets, of course. It was the people in the city, the Jews. And the verse goes on. And stones them which are sent unto you. How often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Let's go back into the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 19, please. We're going back here to a time when God rescued the children of Israel from Egypt, where they'd been slaves. And he led them by the hand of Moses to Mount Sinai in the wilderness. And there, God made a covenant with them. It was a momentous occasion. For that nation. It was a watershed in their history. No other nation has ever had such a privilege to be called by God to be his people. 
And God gave them his wonderfully wise laws and commandments, teaching them the best possible way for human beings to live healthy lives physically and spiritually in righteousness and godly respect. So Exodus 19 and verse 3. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Jacob is Israel, his name was changed to Israel, and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that's why the Jews are referred to as the chosen nation. And the verse goes on. These are the words that you, Moses, shall speak to the people of Israel. Verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And there it is, they'd made that covenant, that agreement with them, uh, with God. And so they entered into that solemn undertaking, a contract, a covenant. Well, as time went by, the Jews broke their agreement with God. They turned aside from the covenant they'd made with him and his commandments, and they turned their back on him. And so God sent many, many prophets time after time to them, appealing to them to turn back to him and warning them of the serious consequences of breaking their agreement, their covenant with him, but to no avail. They refused to heed the warnings of the prophets. And so, finally, God brought the curses on them he'd warned them about as history testifies, which is why there is anti-Semitism in the world and why the Jews have become a byword and a proverb among the nations. You know, to call someone a Jew is to imply a meanness, isn't it? A skinflint. And to Jew somebody was to, to cheat them. So, deserved or not, the Jews have had this reputation down the centuries. And as we probably know, anti-Semitism is a common thing in the world today. Well, come to Zechariah chapter 8, please, just toward the end of the Old Testament. And so the Jews were cast out of Jerusalem and out of the Holy Land to become a source of scorn and ridicule among the nations where God would scatter them just as he'd warned them about if they broke their oath with him. However, despite their many centuries of troubles and banishment from the land, God also said that there would come a time when the Jews would no longer be a curse, but they'd be a blessing. So Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 13. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, and they have been, as we've noted, 
But in the future, that's all going to change. As God goes on to say in this passage, so will I save you and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. Verse 14. <clears throat> For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purpose to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> yes, as we've said, the Jews broke their oath, their agreement with God when they should have followed his ways and should have been his ambassadors to the nations around them, teaching the other nations around them the ways of the God <clears throat> of Israel. But instead, they turned aside and they broke their agreement with him and they copied the godless ways of the nations they were supposed to be teaching. And so they despised the privilege that God had given them in calling them his people. And Jerusalem was once their capital and famous kings like King David ruled from there. In fact, Jerusalem was called the city of David and part of their punishment was to be banished from the land. <clears throat> And so it came about between AD 70 and AD 135, the Jews fought three fierce wars of independence or tried to get independence from the Romans who had conquered the land and they failed every time. Well, come back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, please. <coughs> the Romans became so fed up with the rebellious Jews, that they actually barred them from living in the land anymore. And they sent them into the slave markets of the world. And so the Jews became scattered among the nations of the world, just as God said. Well, as a consequence, the Jews have wandered among the nations for the last 1900 years, persecuted and afflicted, wherever they have been, sooner or later. And Jerusalem itself, their revered capital, was destroyed at that time by the Romans. And they actually ploughed it like a field. So Deuteronomy 28, and let's look at verse 45. <clears throat> God says, all these curses shall come upon you, and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. Go on to verse 64. And the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. Verse 65. And among these nations you shall find no respite and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. Well, as we've noted, history testifies to the outworking of all this in the lives of the Jews. We only have to think of the concentration camps in Nazi Germany in the Second World War and six 
million Jews that perished. Well, come back to Zechariah chapter 8, please. We, we noted earlier, however, that the time will come when the fortunes of the Jews will be reversed. And instead of being a curse, there will be a blessing and they'll be regathered from among the nations back to their ancient land. And Jerusalem will again be their capital. So Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 11. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts, verse 13. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purpose to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts, so again I have purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. Well, just come back to verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, There shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age, and the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Now there's an image of peace and safety and rest, isn't it? Verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Well, that is a picture of what is ultimately going to happen, but we're not there yet. And while God has said he's a God of mercy, he is also a God of justice. And so before the blessing, there must first be a day of reckoning, a day of calling to account, a day of judgment. And Jerusalem will be the focus of both the blessing and the judgments which are to come. The judgments will be in two stages. First, there will be the judgment on Israel, on the Jews, when God causes the nations to gather against the Jews, which they will want to do to try to wipe out the Jews, as many people have tried to do in the past, many nations. And stage two, when God judges those nations who have come against the Jews at Jerusalem for their pride and their ungodliness. So let's just think about stage one. At the present time, God is regathering the Jews from around the world back to the land. Not that they realize this of themselves, but God is manipulating the political and the economic circumstances in the world to bring about his purpose. So as far as they can, they're concerned, they will think it's all their own doing and just natural events. Because as far as they're concerned, they're doing things that they want to do. In 1948, 
By agreement with the United Nations, the State of Israel was reborn in their ancient land. And since that time, the population of Israel has steadily grown as Jews from around the world have migrated back to Israel. So that now the population is about 7 million Jews. And there are still 6 to 7 million Jews currently scattered in the various countries around the world. <clears throat> but eventually, they will all be gathered back, but not yet, because a dramatic and momentous event has yet to happen before they are all gathered back. And we'll come to that in a moment. For the present, the Jews will continue to be a persecuted people because the time of their blessing has not yet come. But in order to receive the blessings, they will have to turn back to God in truth and in righteousness. And as we've already noted, they're now being regathered, not for blessing, but for judgment and trial. And Jerusalem will be the place both of judgment and ultimately of blessing. We'll come to Ezekiel chapter 38, please. For the time being, the Jews will be allowed to prosper in the land. But their prosperity will become part of the reason the nations will want to attack Jerusalem to take their prosperity, to take a spoil, to take a prey. The prophet Ezekiel here speaks of, the, of this invasion, describing when and where this great invasion of the land from the north will come down on Israel. So, Ezekiel 38 and verse 8. After many days you will be mustered. So here God is addressing, as it were, the invading armies. And so here's when. The verse goes on. In the latter years you will go against the land that is restored from war, and here's the where, the land whose people were gathered from many peoples upon the mountains of Israel, which had been con a continual waste. Its people were brought out from the peoples and now dwell securely, all of them. So this can only be after 1948, when they became a nation in the land again, and also when they will be dwelling confidently and prospering. But they will be lulled into a false sense of security because verse 9 describes a sudden and a massive invasion of overwhelming force. Verse 9, and this is addressing the invading army, you will ascend and advance, coming on like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land, you and all your hordes and many peoples with you. And here now is one of the reasons for the invasion. Verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, on that day thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme and say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates. So they will be 
dwelling boldly or confidently. And these days, the Israelis put a lot of confidence in their army, don't they? And their electronic gadgetry, their electronic wizardry, and their technical expertise, their, their missiles, etc., to protect them. Verse 12 says, to seize a spoil and to carry off plunder. That's why they're coming, or, or one of the reasons why they, they're coming. To turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited, and the people who were gathered from the nations, who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell at the centre of the earth. So that is a picture of what's going to happen. Israel are going to become prosperous and other nations will want to take what they have. But there are, are other reasons the nations will want to come against Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a holy place for three of the world's major religions, Judaism, Islam, Christianity. They all want it. They all want to control it. And recently, the announcement by the President of the United States, Donald Trump, to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, thereby officially recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital, well, it's caused uproar in the Islamic world, hasn't it? With protests and demonstrations in various places. The Palestinians want Jerusalem as their capital. And they see Israel's control over it as illegal occupation of their land. We'll come to Zechariah chapter 12, if you will, please. So we can see how Jerusalem will be like a magnet to draw the nations in for really three main reasons. One, religious they will want it as their holy place. Two, political reasons. The Arabs see Israel as unlawfully occupying their land. And three, for gain, for self-interest. To take the spoil, to take the wealth that Israel will have gained with all their, their fines of uh, oil and gas, all those resources they now have and all their technical expertise in so many fields. The Israelis, the Jews, are a clever people, aren't they? So God has, as it were, set the scene to draw the nations into the place of judgment, Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves and all the nations of the earth will gather against it. We'll just come back to Ezekiel chapter five, please. So, yes, Jerusalem has been a source of tension in the Middle East for decades, hasn't it? And all the countries who have tried to interfere have found it too difficult to handle, as will the nations involved in this coming invasion of the land. So Ezekiel chapter 5 and verse 5. 
Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations with countries all around her, and she has rebelled against my rules by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries all around her. For they have rejected my rules and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you are more turbulent than the nations that are all around you and have not walked in my statutes or obeyed my rules and have not even acted according to the rules of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I even I am against you and will execute judgments in your midst, in the sight of the nations. Well, just come back to Zechariah 14, please. All the information about what's going to happen is, is not in the same place, which is why we have to look at various prophecies to try to gather together the details. One thing is clear, that judgment is coming on Israel and it will be done openly, witnessed by other nations, as we've just read, because God will use those nations like, like a stick to beat Israel with. Zechariah 14, verse 1. Behold, the day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go into exile. Well, just come back to chapter 13, please. It's going to be a terrible time for the Jews referred to elsewhere in the Bible as the time of Jacob's trouble. So Zechariah 13 and verse 8. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. If there are over six million Jews in the land now, then that would mean some four million people will perish in the battle. However, the nation will not be wiped out completely because God has said he will not make a full end of Israel, but he will correct them in measure. So there's going to be some, a remnant, that third part mentioned in that verse, who will turn to God. But human nature can be so stubborn that the only way to bring about their repentance will necessitate such drastic measures. Only that will convince the Jews that God is God and what he said is true and is right. And so a remnant will realize and turn to him a third of them. Verse 9, Zechariah 13. I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver. That's purging out the stubbornness of this human nature and test or prove or examine them as gold is tested. 
They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is my God. So this third part will be different from the rest because they will finally realize Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one they have been waiting for for millennia, the one the Jews have been taught to reject and despise generation after generation, haven't they? And he is the one who will be sent by God to save them when it looks like the end for the nation but they will be miraculously saved from extinction at the hands of the other nations by the very one that they rejected and despised. But at last they realize, and the enormity of their error will dawn upon them. Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace, and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on him whom they have pierced, that's got to be Jesus Christ, hasn't it? With the, the marks of the piercing of the nails of crucifixion in his hands and in his feet. And they see that. And the verse goes on, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps for a firstborn firstborn who died. We'll come back to Joel chapter 3, if you will, please. sorry, chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. When the Jews at last turn to the Lord in truth and in righteousness, Joel says here in chapter 2, and let's look at verse 32, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape. As the Lord said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Well, that then is stage one, if you like, the judgment on Israel from which a faithful remnant will be saved. But now stage two commences and attention turns now to the nations who have come up to Jerusalem with evil intent and their judgments now begin. Zechariah chapter 14, um, look at verse 3. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. Verse 4, On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall remove northward and the other half southward. The Mount of Olives is opposite Jerusalem, and it's well known that a fault line runs right through the middle of it. It's part of what's called a Jordan Rift Valley, which connects with the East African Rift Valley. It's a major fault line in the Earth's crust, some 3,000 miles uh, in length. 
and there is to be a massive earthquake that changes the topography of the land around Jerusalem. Jerusalem itself has other fault lines around it, which will effectively protect it from destruction. And Zechariah 14 describes how the land will be reshaped by the earthquake. Uh, just look at verse 10. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate to the corner gate and from the tower of Hananiel to the king's wine presses. So Jerusalem will be lifted up above the surrounding area, which, which is hilly at the moment, but that's going to become a plain. Zechariah 14 verse 11, And it shall be inhabited, Jerusalem, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. <clears throat> well, the earthquake devastates the forces of the invading armies. But there's also what is described here as a plague. Um, verse 12 of Zechariah 14. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Well, whether this is some chemical or biological agent or some nuclear radioactive type weapon, we, we, we don't know. But whatever it is, it rapidly affects people and animals while they're still on their feet. No wonder panic sets in. Verse 13. And on that day a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them. That's the invading army. So that each will seize the hand of another and the hand of one will be raised against the hand of the other. So there's chaos in the ranks of the invading armies and they're killing each other. And they will fall on the mountains of Israel and they will be buried there. And Jerusalem will become the centre of worship for all nations who, having witnessed the dramatic events around Jerusalem, will realise and will recognise the God of Israel is the only true God. And they will want to go up to Jerusalem to worship and to learn. So then, time is short. These things are going to happen. And if we want to share in the glorious future God has in store for those individuals who will put their trust in him, in his word, then we need to associate ourselves with Jesus Christ now by belief, by repentance, by baptism into him, and then to wait patiently for his promised return in power and great glory to reign as king over the world in Jerusalem. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Music